Thanks for listening to Worship Local. This is our podcast where we invite you into the long-winded, ever-deepening, sometimes winding conversation of Frontier Church where we exist for the glory of Jesus and the joy of Des Moines. In today's podcast, I get to talk to Justin Spade. If you don't know Spade, he's part of our worship team at Frontier Church, mostly behind the drum set, but he's also a stand-up comedian. So naturally, I, as a preacher, was super interested to sit down with Justin and talk about the intersection of faith and humor, how good comedy is good for the world, and we even talk about whether or not Jesus would have been considered laugh-out-loud funny in the ancient world. You may even hear a few of Justin's jokes in the next hour or so. So I think you're really going to get a kick out of this episode. So whether you live in Des Moines or elsewhere, we hope this podcast helps you worship local. Spade, what's up? Dude, Justin Spade, everybody. How's it going? Good. How are you? Dude, good. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're doing the podcast tonight. Yeah. I'm actually like really, really, really excited to do this one. Same. Yeah. I mean, how many times have people at Frontier Church heard a podcast about stand-up comedy? Uh, you know, if they're not trying to punish themselves, zero. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, so uh, one of the first Sundays you were at Frontier, I've already told you this story, um, but one of the first Sundays you were at Frontier, my, my daughter was worshiping like right by me, and Della points at you and says, she cocks her head and says, Daddy? And then she looks at me and she's like, no, but you're like the more handsome version of me. You're like the closest thing to like a doppelganger that I have in Frontier. We, we can be each other's doppelgangers. That's cool. Yeah, I, yeah. I've got a list of other people that I look like too. So like we look like Shia LaBeouf. Um, the, the, a half cup. Yep. The fun one is, and most people are like, oh no, that's just like very prideful to think. But if you look at it, if you, I'm just saying look at it, David Beckham. Oh no! I see that for you. You look no, you exactly got like no. David you got Beckham. it too. Yeah. So if anybody are out there wondering who I am, just be like, I look like the Fairway brand of David Beckham. <laughs> I look like the great the Fairway brand. I look like the the great value version of Adam Levine. Yeah. And there you go. Right yeah, there you go. And then now people are like, oh, that guy. Yeah. Oh. Okay, that guy. Now I've I've like back when Adam Levine was like really popular mm. with like what what was he in Maroon Five. Right, right, but like, yeah. wasn't there a show like American Idol? Oh no, he was on The Voice when that was like a really big deal. Yeah, and I was like in college and younger and hadn't planted a church. Uh, people would come up to me and be like, "You, oh no, you're not Adam Levine, 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 Levine." Levine. Did, so okay. did when, and I'm assuming this is true. When you asked Chloe out, did you just have to position a chair there and then just like spin around dramatically to be like, "Hey." <laughs> Any chance you're vibing this too? You want to be on my team? <laughs> I should have done that. We're pretty close, man. He's got a three chair turner face. So, Spade, you've been at Frontier now for like, I don't know. I don't know. A year and a half. A year and a half? I, yeah, we call it a year and a half. It, it feels like six months because of COVID. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, October of. 2019, yeah, before it all happened. Before it all happened. You you volunteer on the worship team. You yep. you roll with Joseph. You you do a little drums here and there. You did guitar. 
Yep. A couple weeks ago. Yeah. Guitar is like my main uh, instrument, but drums are who I want to be. You know, Mm. that's, I just, as much noise as you can make as possible. And you just feel great hitting stuff. Yeah. There's just something about it. Bro, I'm so excited to talk about like the intersection of you as a stand up comedian and Jesus. And if there's like any intersection at all there, we'll get, we'll get around to that though. Yeah. So let's put that on the, on, let's put that in the backseat and let's come around to it in a little bit. Um, what was, what was like some of your first experiences at Frontier a year and a half ago? Uh, we, was that like? uh, we loved it. Um, pretty much right away. We came from my wife and I, when I say we, uh, my wife Delaney, uh, we had come from a bigger church and we'd always been there. Like uh, I went mm-hmm. from no churches to at 13, I went to what would be probably called a mega church and then just yep, like yep. never left, stayed there the whole time. And eventually we just came to find out like, Hey, we want to try something else out. We want to, we want to see what else is out there. And so we knew a couple people, specifically Casey. Um, mm-hmm. that was like, well, our first idea, let me, we're not that pious. Our first idea was like, let's just float out there and be free agents for a while. Oh yeah. You told me that. Yeah, And then bit. Casey yeah. was like, Hey, that's a dumb idea because, right. dumb. Yeah. um, and so we listened to him and he's like, even if, even if I have to like wake you guys up and drag you to frontier, you can come, you don't have to go to frontier, but you got to go somewhere. Uh, and I so, love Casey canoe. <laughs> yeah. And it turns out, uh, as with most things that I find out, Casey was correct. And so <laughs> we went there. Um, we loved a lot of stuff about, um, how you, how our church is now. I have to get used to saying our church too, which is, yeah, which yeah. is fun to do. It is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just the the focus on the things that are important uh, i come from like you mentioned earlier a musical background i spent mm-hmm. a, basically ever since i started going to church i had a guitar strapped on me and a or drumsticks and a microphone in front of my face and i was always doing that so it was nice to have the the emphasis more on the liturgy something that we never yeah, experienced yeah. um the communion, something that I was like, why do you take this every week? Well, right. if you take it serious, you'll figure it out. Um, yeah. And the gravity of those, those huh. just few subtle changes. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the teaching way too. Um, sure. Because I've been through the ringer with, um, not the ringer that gives it a negative connotation, but I've been through a, pretty much the entire Bible being preached and n- knew the passages, kind of knew where people were going with it. Kind of yeah, like when you hear yeah. a joke and you're like, oh, I know where this is going. I know the punchline here. Yep. Um, but I, I know the exposition. Yeah, but yeah. I didn't know any of the other things behind it. And we found that like, yep, we were really good um, at church, but we weren't good at like Bible. Uh, we weren't good at like knowing sure. uh, the history of God. And and once you understand that, I mean, it changes everything. Think about what we're going yeah. through with uh, Habakkuk, right? Once you understand the importance of the watchtower, you can understand the emphasis of it. And wow. that, that was huge for us because, um, not because of anything that uh, other churches were doing that we were going to or yeah. anything, but it was just, we hadn't thought like that and we felt a desire to think like that. And so we uh, started going to Frontier and just never left. Do you have like a, yeah, yeah. Did you have like a jaw drop moment with any, any sermons or any part of the preaching where you kind of had this light bulb moment and you were like, oh, that's what this text is about? Um, the biggest one, I still use this as an example. It's probably like a remedial example if you guys are smart, um, <laughs> but it was the Ark of the Covenant. And even when you were talking about like the second temple and yeah. all of the, illustrations in there because before when I'd read Exodus or like, you know, whenever the people are just walking around out there in the des- desert for the 
entire Old Testament. Just chalum. Yeah, you're just like, okay, man, they're really uh, making a whole to-do about this box that they're carrying around. <laughs> and box. Yeah, just, and because if you just read it, you're like, you have zero concept in right, 2021, right. like what, what that meant. And that's because Jesus was like, represented that box and yeah. followed these specific steps. And so I think that one, and that would have been... I think right when we came back from COVID uh, is when you were talking about that, or it was like okay, really yeah. early on. But I mean, I just remember driving away and my wife and I were just like, I never knew that about uh, the Ark of the Covenant or that that's what this color meant, that this is the importance of the um, veil being torn and passing oh, yeah, through. yeah, totally. Yeah. And I remember specifically that where you were like... Um, Nobody comes through the Father but through me. Mm. Cole didn't say that. Jesus said it. But <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he owes him a quarter every time. But nobody <laughs> comes through the Father but through me. And as you're passing through this veil, it gives you a literal um, example of like, you know, you have to physically pass through my body right. to, get, to get through here. This isn't just like a piffy saying that right. works amazing in songs and lyrically. Uh, mm-hmm. It's an actual literal thing that... Uh, early Jewish culture would have understood. What oh, about. man, yeah. that's odd. Those are great examples. I freaking love having you guys at Frontier. Oh, thank you. You guys are awesome. Seriously. Yeah. We're so lucky to have you guys. Well, we appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll keep coming. You, <laughs> you, so you used to lead worship at mm-hmm. a church. How is that? How, why did you transition out of that worship leading role? How's that transition been? That's a big transition, man. Yeah. I think it, a lot of it just had to do with with burnout, I think I did the math one time where it was, you know, from ages 13 to 20 some, like way too far into my 20s, that I would be doing one to two weeks a month, if not every week a month. Like when I was burning hot and, and working uh, for the church, it was every week I was just doing services and, and strapping a guitar to myself mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. picking out the songs and going through. And I just burned out on it because I, I would leave and I would only just think of the mental exhaustion that comes from trying to set up an entire worship service of like, here's what I'm going to say in the break. Oh my gosh, I fumbled over my words. That sounded stupid. Wait, was that heresy? That was always my biggest fear. I didn't want to like read and lead an offshoot and like we have like another branch Davidians on our hand or something like that. Oh yeah, gosh. So you'd you'd plan out like everything that you'd say between songs? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or... And, and just like even the coordinating of the sets, uh, physically like remembering how to play uh, and mm-hmm. sing at the same time. I'm not a great singer. Uh, I'm passable and like bold. So I've kind of got like a... Passable sh- and bold. Yeah, like Sugar Ray. We're like, he's not great, but he's <laughs> he's like confident in what he's saying. So it's, it's like, that. that's my comp there. Yeah, I like Sugar the extreme Ray. version of that where I'm not even passable, but I'm super <laughs> confident yeah. and loud. Yeah, and Delaney's a fantastic singer. She's a three chair turner on the voice, and she get yeah. all of them. Um, and so, like that she was gonna sing at Frontier, maybe up to her. Yeah, yeah <laughs> we enjoyed doing that together, girl. but uh, we were we were just reaching the point where we we're just like really burned out on Sundays, and we weren't looking yeah. forward to leading anymore yeah. and like participating. And so, I took basically until like a year and a half off, and then I started playing with with uh, you all. And that was crazy how much fun I had because I just had Mm -hmm. more time to like think of other things. Like I didn't pick up my guitar for a year and a half and I didn't 
think that I would ever care to again. And then playing here again has been fun. I mean, granted, that's the, awesome, dude. Yeah, expectations are different. Joseph's a great uh, guy to have leading, sets the expectations well. Super easy mm-hmm. to to get along um, in, in that musical sense. So, and we're yeah. like the antithesis of like a mega church too. Like yeah. we're a very, very, very local church. Like we're not interested at all at becoming the next hill song, and we're not interested at all at whatever the new church statistics are out of the coolest church on the West Coast that everybody needs to copy. And so yeah. we just like totally got this local feeling. Yeah, I was wondering why we didn't play Oceans. So. <laughs> <laughs> Was uh did did you have like did you have a moment where you're like man I need to get out of leading worship or a story or any like a turning point? Um, I don't think we had any moments. I I just think it was just that Sunday feeling afterwards where we'd just be exhausted and we would turn to each other and be like, okay, so what do you think of church today? And everything was just revolved around music for us personally. Mm. And mm-hmm. at that point, we just needed to to look at because it. it wasn't like we weren't being taught anything. Um, we were, and, but we were just not, uh, mature enough personally to be able to like handle both of those responsibilities. Yeah, and it was just coming to a yeah. point where we wanted to learn more. Like we'd, we'd flown close to the sun. Like we've done the, the mm-hmm. really cool worship experiences and stuff like that. And those are, those are beneficial, but, um, we've been doing those a lot and we just wanted a chance to listen and just be patrons. I don't know if patrons is the right word, but uh, just attenders of a church. And yeah, yeah, totally. With that, once we did that and stepped back, that's when we started asking ourselves, I think, a different question. It's like, what do we want from a church? Mm -hmm. What do we expect? What do we expect from a Sunday teaching on the pulpit? And um, with that, we decided to just branch out on our own and and try to find that. One of the the great things at Frontier is that, um, like, Per square inch, I think we have more people that want to be in full-time ministry per square inch than like any other church. Like we just got a lot of dudes and a lot of people who like want to be preachers and church planters and pastors, which is which is really great. Um, but it makes your perspective really valuable. Yeah. Which is you can actually transition out of that and still make a difference in the mission of God and still be valuable. Like I think about like in Exodus, one of the things that blew my mind is that in Exodus, we see the first example of where the Bible describes people being indwelt by the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's Oholiab and Bezalel, who are the guys who are responsible for building the tabernacle. So like, yeah. you've got these dudes who like, they're like architect, like they're blue collar dudes back in the day. And they're like the first example of being filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't seem like a spiritual job. No, but it is. Yeah, and that's that's the the thing of like stepping back. I I think early on when I wasn't, I mean, we're talking like early twenties, mid twenties. I put a lot of stock in um, how I was performing. It's a natural thing. Everyone's going to do that. It's mm. but music is a particular one because it's very performative. You can tell right away who sucks and who doesn't. Right. Totally. totally. And yeah. I th- that I used to struggle with that so much in the comparison of that, and I w- and I would think to myself like early on in my twenties, like if I didn't have this, mm-hmm. what do I have? Am I just kind of a loser? Like quite frankly, I like wow. the I like the darkest, yeah, part, which isn't 
a dark thought necessarily, but it, but it is something that'll keep you going. Um, I think if I had to put a term to it, it's just like, I had a very show must go on mentality. So as opposed to like focusing on myself and fixing things in my walk with the Lord, like practicing, um, better spiritual disciplines. Yeah. I was just like, well, I'll just be a better singer. I'll just be, I'll be able to like nail this solo or get this tune or like, I'm going to play the electric guitar and I'll be that guy. And, and a lot of it was just that identity. And that, and that was, uh, that took me a long time to get over. And luckily I did. I mean, that's just what you do. That's just what you're finding out in your early twenties. Like dude, like when, when you're in full-time ministry, it's so easy. And this is like hit, like hit, hit the alarm when this happens, but it's so easy to confuse competence for character. Yes. Right? Oh, that's like, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah. I was competent, right? Like I've got the things that made me a great worship leader is like I've got a photographic memory, it makes mm-hmm. me great at comedy because I could at least the aspect of remembering my my bits. I never get up there and be like, Oh, I forgot what I was gonna say. Right. So I was very comfortable doing that. I was very competent doing that. Um, but I was just holding on because I was like, Well, what happens if I just I got this political science degree. I don't got nothing, right? Mm, I, mm. I didn't go to law school. Like, am I just going to be an internet salesman? There's not, <laughs> which, which I did become when I left. Um, I bet you'd be great full, at full it. Time. Yeah, I was all right at it. And, and, and it turns out that sucked. <laughs> and, and because, you know, full-time ministry, uh, when you look at that too, there's, there, it, there's aspects of it that are a job too. There's yeah, the absolutely. logistics of it. Absolutely. Same, same thing like with comedy. Like there's... I don't want to spoil anything for anybody out there, but uh, comedy is practiced. It is um, <laughs> rehearsed. Most of, like, unless you're like really good, you're talking like the Chappelle's. Yeah, Most sure. of that's not coming out the first time. It's been worked in a room somewhere else. Yeah. So don't want to boil, spoil anybody's uh, idea of it. Just right, like, right. Uh, you know, telling people WWE is fake or something like that. Right. You know? <laughs> so let's go there, dude. Like, you, your story is like one in a million. Like, I would be surprised if there's any other living human being out there who's transitioned from being a worship leader to a comedian? I haven't heard of him. How I'd like that, to meet I, him though. How'd that happen, man? <laughs> so the, the true story of how it happened was like, I was about to turn 30, 32 right now. So about two years ago and I'm sitting around with my buddies that we, we play cards every Thursday night and I usually don't believe in time. I'm just like, time's just gravity. Who cares what age you turn? It's all just irrelevant gravity, yeah. sun, or earth going around the sun, Spoke, right? Spoken like a true people person. Yeah, exactly. It's just time. It's irrelevant. <laughs> but it, for a time, it wasn't irrelevant because I'm like, I'm turning 30. It's different for me now. <laughs> so I had to do something. So what I wanted to do, my initial thought was like, oh, I'll get some of the old bands back together and like, I'll get a really good recording of mm. our bands, because I, I don't have that. like, And part of that is because our band sucked, right? So it just wasn't possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, my friend Zach was like, well, uh, is there anything else you want to do? <laughs> and I was like, I want to try stand-up comedy. I didn't like voice that to anybody. It's just what? something that I always had. And then he was like, the bands sound fine. Yeah, let's let's go with the band idea. <laughs> so Zach was like, don't do it. Yeah, no. Don't uh, do it. They were supportive. Um and they, but again, when you think of stand-up comedy, you do think of like the raunchy, you know, beer-soaked bars, people stinking, mm-hmm. all of these, you know, pretty PG-13 slash rated R um, situations. And 
you, so you don't know what it's what it's like starting out. And I had no idea what I was getting into. Can I, I make a dent in yeah. that field? Yeah. Yeah. So I just one day found out Des Moines has a great local comedy scene. We've got three open mics that run regularly. Uh, one right by the church. It's yep. just down the street at Teehees. Uh, one at Lefties is, uh, with, in the Drake neighborhood, which is where I started at. And I forget where the other one, uh, Java Joe's is the other oh, one. That kinda oh, runs. yeah, yeah. They, they have that theater like right next. Yeah, right? and yeah. I'm not sure if it's running during COVID times, but yeah. it, it was when I started. And so I just went in there and my wife was like, I don't know. I mean, I think you're funny, but she kind of has to. Delaney, yeah, a girl. <laughs> it, and I had no idea if I was funny. So I went there and just did my first five minutes at... 11:45 at night on a Tuesday at Lefties in the Drake neighborhood. Mm. And the lady, I'll never forget this, the lady before me, I'm sitting there like nervous as I'll get out. Like music, I can play music in front of 30,000 people and not be afraid. I'm just like this is what I have, okay? I'm mm-hmm. I'm decent, okay? I know right. I know exactly where I fall in there. Comedy is something I never tried, but I'm sitting there nervous and the lady before me, no joke, she spends her whole 5 minutes telling one joke but she's trying to do stuff while she's telling the joke and so she's got a cup of water on her head she's got a hula hoop and she's wearing a dress and like halfway through of course because this is this is local you know this is where we're practicing our sets the water falls the hula hoop falls and then all of a sudden a quarter falls and she'd been holding that quarter in between her butt cheeks <laughs> and I'm like what am I doing here? Like, I just remember having that moment right before I go on stage. Where am I? Yeah. I'm like, I don't have, I don't even have any change on me. Is that like a thing I need? (laughs) I can't do that. that. Yeah. I've got, I'm wearing pants. I'd not even, nobody's going to even know. Um, (laughs) I get up there. The guy calls me uh, my wrong name. Uh, He calls me Justin Spald. Justin Um, Spald. Yeah. I guess my eyes look like L's or something like that. And, uh, from there, just kind of took off. I've always been a dreamer because of um, being in bands and stuff like that. You just want to, whatever I do, I want to just like do it on the biggest stage and just go until I stop. And so, right, yeah, that makes from, total sense to me. Yeah, from there, uh, reached out to Teehees. Uh, so, a couple of great guys own that, uh, own Teehees right down the street from us where we meet and was like, hey, I want to have a my own show. And they were cool enough to let a guy who didn't know what he was doing host his own show and yeah, yeah. Um, from there expanded and most recently obviously went and just filmed mm-hmm. a special at uh, Dry Bar Comedy out in Provo, Utah. And people can watch that, right? Like on, yeah. Like on Facebook. Yeah, so in three months, it, it takes a little bit of production time to make sure that they get everything as good because they're trying to make you look good too. Yeah, so it takes yeah, about yeah. three months to produce, but uh, you can watch it on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and then the dry bar app. And, uh, for those of you wondering, it does in the rules, it does say you need to be, you know, safe for work. So it is okay. uh, family yeah. friendly comedy. They'll cut out any parts or warn you if there's any parts that are like risque for kids and stuff like that. So hmm. I didn't hit that. I uh, dude, I love, I love comedy. Yeah. I love comedy. GK Chesterton, right? He's old theologian, Roman Catholic, but like a really profound voice in Christianity said, the reason angels can fly is because they take themselves lightly. Ah. So he's, yeah, he's, he's a big fan of comedy. Early, man, early man. 20th century. Well, was it Elijah gets the first boom in the, in the Bible, right? When, uh, I had to look this up beforehand. So this isn't just off the dome, but in first Kings 18, I always remembered this from when I was reading it, like growing up, 
and it's him v like all the people trying to like worship Baal, right? Yeah. And they're trying to call down fire to like light up this calf or something like that. I, I apparently like that's what you did to prove that your God was real. And eventually <laughs> they the Baal people, surprise, surprise, it's not working. And so right, like right. Elijah asks, he's like, Well, is he sleeping? Is he going to the bathroom? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, dude. Is he, I think he says, Is he relieving himself? And uh you know, it doesn't slap today, because uh, we've got like better comedians, but, but that would have been like a knee slapper for oh, Israel. Yeah, that's back in the, the day. office of Humor for the Jews in early <laughs> early uh, century Jews. You know, Twain, uh, so so Twain and Twain wasn't a follower of Jesus, but I've even used this when I think through the appropriateness or or not of comedy or humor and jokes and being funny from preaching. Um, but Twain has this great line, and I can't quote it verbatim, but he talks about how uh, humor is the language which we cannot defend ourselves from. Mm-hmm. And so once you get a person to laugh, they open their gates, and that's when you can say something truly important, which I've, I've actually used that in coaching. Like, there are, there are some wrestlers who you do not need to do this with. They need to take the sport more seriously. But sometimes you have a wrestler who he takes the sport really seriously, and um, he loses a match, and then you throw him to the equivalent, like maybe a bad father figure who yells at him, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So he's sitting in the locker room, his head is down, he's crying after a loss, his dad's voice is in his mind about how he's such a failure. Yeah. Those are the moments where I, where, where I walk up, and I kneel down beside him, and I say, hey, what do you get when you cross an elephant and a rhino? Elephino. Zoom, and they always (laughs) chuckle and shake their head and roll their eyes at me but then once they've lightened up just a little bit i can put my arm around them and say hey you're gonna bounce back from this you're gonna learn from this and i'm proud of you yeah uh i agree totally i think a comedy and specifically like what what i love about stand-up is it's a uniquely american art um there were stand-ups kind of back in the day we called them court gestures um mm, the most famous yeah, one yeah yeah the most famous one was the french i forget what happened but the french were fighting the english surprise and <laughs> the french just like got wiped out like their armada got like wiped out <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. jester goes back to the king and the king's like so how'd the how'd the battle go and he's like you wouldn't believe how scared the english were to get in the water with us because their boats had been sank and like they were the only ones in the water. And it's those moments that this country has always actually turned to. That's why we have late night comedy shows. That's why um, I specifically remember the first guy back on the air after 9-11 was Letterman. And I remember just watching that and just being like, I'm watching a moment and he talks about it. He's like, I don't want to make you laugh, but I need, we need to do this. We need to start not forgetting, but like moving forward. And a lot of times moving forward starts with laughter and kind of just yes, puts dude. people at ease. And right. that, that's, that's what I love about it is this art that you can come at from any way, shape or form. And it actually is able to help people make a point and help people see things differently. If you don't believe me, Chappelle does this. Mm-hmm. Chappelle pushes this country forward really great while making jokes and that's all mm-hmm. he's doing and that that's his whole point it's like i shouldn't be the one doing this but i have to same thing with john stewart that's another good one and 
granted, I don't know where these guys fall with the Lord, but it's a really cool thing that in our culture we're we're so beat over the head with how broken this place is. Mm. We're so broke. Mm-hmm. We're so divided. Blah 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 blah. And I get sick of hearing that just because like this this is a land that is still free that we can still preach on Sundays. We can still yeah. tell jokes yeah. on Fridays. Yeah, and I think we need to remember that, and not take that for granted because. I don't know if it'll forever be that way. Who knows, right? Nobody does. But um, yeah, it's just kind of like my long-winded rant on why comedy is important. And I think it's really cool that it's you know uniquely American, too. I think uh, I love that, too. Russell Russell's three and a half, and he's trying to figure it out right now. So usually at dinner, I'll, I'll tell like, I don't know, a joke every other, every other night at dinner. And what's funny is that Russell can't quite get it, but he can feel the punchline. Mm-hmm. He can, he can feel the punchline. So we'll, we'll be eating dinner and I'll say a stupid joke, right? I'll be like, Hey, did you hear about that new restaurant on the moon? Great food, no atmosphere. And he, feel, he <laughs> feels the punchline and he looks at Chloe and she starts laughing and he starts laughing. <laughs> or the really funny one was, uh, you're going to hate this one. Um, oh no, I love I love these jokes, dude. Dude, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I went with uh, this is a classic. I learned this from a teacher that I taught with at Cedar Falls High School. But it's a uh, bear walks into a bar. It's been a really, really, really long week. Really difficult stuff going on at work. So he walks up to the bartender. He sits down to put in his order. He says, "Hey, bartender, I'll take a gin and tonic." And the bartender says, "Sure, but what's with the big pause?" And then I hold my ah. hands up and I say, "What well, these uh, these paws? I've had them my whole life." <laughs> and, and so Russell heard that, and he, he 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 would try to recreate it. So he's going to bars now and just like. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got these great videos of him being like, a a, a, a person walks into a bar, <laughs> right? He doesn't he doesn't get it, you, but he's trying it. Yeah, and it's he some, likes it. He yeah. likes it, and it's something that people get. I mean, like my nieces and nephews. I think I'm the funniest guy in the world. Not, but uh, none of it has to do with any of the jokes I tell. Uh, it, it's just like, oh, this guy's goofy and he's fun, and like, there's something, in, especially in like enlightening into that for yeah. children as well too. So, so I've I've noticed that I'm not just like a comedian laugher. Like I laugh at things that I think are is funny. But I've actually noticed that I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but I'm a social laugher too. So sometimes I laugh not because I think somebody's funny, but because I want to give them approval and I love them. Yeah. And so I just find myself giggling around people that I, like are socially fun to be around. I just call those my fans. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a favorite joke? Um, I, I I told it to you like last week because I was like I was so proud of this one. It's on the special, so I won't bore you with the whole setup. Okay. But I was basically talking about my the the derecho that hit because it's right. something that's right. it's a great story, unique to Iowa, especially unique to me because like my hometown got hit, and my hometown is also where they filmed Twister. But it, it, like the literally the scene where the cow flies across the road. If you've ever seen Twister, like that was filmed like two miles. That's like our claim mm-hmm. to fame. That's the only mm-hmm. thing we have. And I go through, you know, setting it up and tell this joke about like how that, you know, it was a big deal for us because the cow was actually our mayor. We called him Rudy Muliani. <laughs> and it's, I, I remember when I thought of that and just like, I felt bad for Delaney's eyes because the role, she's like, you're oh, way too proud yeah. of that. Like, yeah. no, like you got better. And I'm like, no, I just think it's really stupid. Rudy Muliani. Because sometimes like, I mean, that's why we love Sandler, right? You know, they, yeah. because sometimes he has nothing left to prove. So he's just going to make goofball shenanigans stuff. And it's hilarious. And you can't ever get too serious about that. So like, hopefully 
this takes me far, way farther than what I've been before. But hopefully I still remember that Rudy Miliani is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think that in certain contexts, the willingness to make jokes that are going to make people roll their eyes at you is a very selfless thing that can have a profound impact on a team. The groaners, yeah, like those, yeah. The, like the groan from it. And yeah, it's just something that like sometimes you just choose as an artist, because that's what we are, uh, to include those. Like, yeah, I can do a whole set with none of those, right. but what's the fun? Because like, that's what made me laugh in the first place. The same thing yeah. with like, why are we singing this song? Because I like to sing it. Any other questions? Like, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. need more reasoning than that. There, there isn't necessarily like this extra depth to it sometimes can just be as simple as I like saying stupid things. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I do. I got to talk about this transition from being a worship leader yeah. to, uh, to being a stand-up comedian. Like, do you, do you feel that your, your work and your role as a, as a stand-up comedian is as God honoring as being a worship leader? Yes, I, mm-hmm. I think so. Um, mainly because in the worship leading, you're you're still performing the arts um, for people that are are here to see them. But I think a lot of times we get so mixed up in how important the worship is that you're actually sometimes working against the curve. Like some people hmm. will go away from a church and be like, "Ah, we didn't like that church. Well, why didn't you like it? Well, the music wasn't that great." And it's like, oh, "Okay, well, what was the teaching like?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the the questions that right. you have asked. Right. So. Um, it's an important thing for services just because we are able to make those that those sounds and that music and it does it is a bonding experience singing with people everyone if you ask them like hey what's the top five memories in your life probably 90 percent of them are going to have some form of concert based thing because you're with people singing so there's an important there importance there but i mean when it comes to comedy it's also like um we're christians we're here we're gonna do all sorts of life. Yeah, I don't think um, the apostles, they were like, oh man, I'll never be an accountant again or a, a, a fisherman again. Yeah, you know, yeah. Jesus actually instructs them, like, use, con- continue to use what the tools that you're doing right now to like go and further the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Granted, that doesn't look like I don't. Just to be clear, I don't do like a gospel presentation at the at the end of the act, right? It's right, I'm right. just there to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. But in the offs on the uh, on the offshoots, what you do is you actually bond yourself to a community. So, like at Teehees, right there, um, the the guy that owns that, his name's Sid Worker, uh, awesome dude. We don't see eye to eye on much, but we're friends because yeah. we're both able to be like cool with each other, share each other, like what we believe, what we see, make fun of each other for what we see, what we believe, mm-hmm. um, and kind of give that and take that. And it just shows that you're not too standoffish in the culture. I think that's one thing that is funny. I've been, these are the types of things that stew in my mind where it's like Christian culture uh, isn't being attacked in the way that we think right? Everyone's like the war on Christmas, but really people are, yeah, people are taking like what we're good at and what we're known for. People are burning books now. People are uh, canceling the Harry Potter lady. (laughs) Like that's our thing. Cancel culture. Yeah. I'm like, that's our thing. Originated with Christians. I never thought of that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and we did it. And I mean, I just came from Utah. Like we did it with the Mormons where they're like, Hey, we don't like you here. Any chance you could move. Okay, now we're telling you to move. <laughs> okay, now we're not asking anymore. Um, but 
it, so it's like kind of funny that 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 we're actually now in 2021 we're actually slipping back into like the renegade culture mm-hmm. like the, the the christian culture and it's all what we've always believed and we're not changing anything so uh but i am just out there cancel culture in general i don't know but uh you're, you're you are stealing our bit so <laughs> i just want to burn a book man it's just i just want to burn a book again oh it's, yeah I, you know every so whenever i get in like i i was kind of in I read a book that had a really doom and gloom feel about the future of Western culture. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm a little I pessimist. I do think that uh, there's going to be increasing persecution in the Western world towards Christians. Um, but like, uh, whenever I get a little bit doom and gloom, I, I'm reminded that when I walk through Barnes & Noble, there's still like a Christian book section front and center there. Totally, yeah. We're the only ones buying books still. Um, <laughs> and, and also yeah. like, with that, you know, just having the patience to understand that, like, cultures go through shifts. You know, mm-hmm. I also was a political science guy, so politics, you know, colors a lot of my my comedy. But also understanding, like, where we've come from. Said the same thing in the sixties and seventies. You know, your yeah, your parents yeah. would be sitting around like, "By God, this this generation, oh man, it's the worst one we've ever seen." Um, Everybody's it, felt that way. Yeah, and and, and as every it, generation. Yeah, and as it turns out, like sometimes what they're protesting against is correct. Like, sure. th- you know, those that that hippie culture. What was going on with what we were being told? What was going on sure, with the war in yeah. the late seventies? All that stuff. They weren't necessarily wrong. Um, right. And so, and that again, that's just an opinion. So you can take it or leave it at that. But same thing as this. This is all going to work itself out. We can't keep on this trajectory. We're all going to. It's all. It's going to eat itself. Right. The the culture. You see that because eventually nobody's going to be able to pass the purity or the morality test. Hmm. So what we actually have to get back to is then. Okay, people are. If we're going to um, not do that, we're going to have to rely on character again and like yeah. characters develop it over time as we know so dude yeah. like so one of the again a, a theologian this is what i do on podcasts i just quote theologians yeah <laughs> but there's there's another theologian who says um until we become acquainted with the lightness of life we're not prepared to deal with the heaviness of life and that's another way that i think comedy has a profoundly good impact on the world it prepares us to suffer it prepares us to go into darker moments it prepares us for those heavier moments it like it actually plays a positive role in our lives yeah and that's i mean that's like a lot of the the turns of phrases like when you when you're telling jokes it's it's typically not at like a great moment right you you don't take the happiest moment of your life and you're like you wouldn't believe what happened to me on my wedding day right we're standing there both happy and everybody's happy and then Mm -hmm. nothing funny happened because Everybody was happy, uh, <laughs> but all of those other tragedies, we were able to like walk each other through and be like, "Hey, remember when that land hurricane hit this?" And then like nobody paid attention to us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. yeah, that was cool. Ooh, I guess, yeah, wow. you know, and and making light of that, and it also helps you like prove a point, right? Yes. In, in the same way of you know, I told you this last week, but it, I'm something I'm working on where it's like, okay, Christians, since they're taking our canceling ability, since they're taking our book burnings and being mad at Harry Potter, which that was like, so we should go into science, right? And we should like launch to the moon, take over for Elon, be like, go back and find like the smallest microbe of life and bring it back and be like, look, we found an alien. And people would be like, we cannot believe you found life outside of earth. And we'd be like, you, so you think this is life? Got like, it. Yeah. And then you're like, 
then what's wrong with babies in the womb? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you think this little microbe and like, so would you be mad if I, you know, there's, right. there's way to do that and, and play both sides. And like, sometimes it's okay for Christians to like hit back too. I yeah. like, we live in a, a troll culture. Most trolls don't like to be clapped back at if you've got a good joke. The problem is most people just don't have like the good jokes to like hit back. Comedy, yeah, comedy gives you access to a really deep place in somebody's heart. Yeah, helps yeah. you get in. Like, do you read? Or do you read Babylon B? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a great example. Exactly of like this lampooning of silly ideas that like if we looked at them not through the lens of uh blue or red or democrat republican blah 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 we're just like this is kind of stupid in general right my Mm -hmm. big one is like i hate daylight savings time and it's just something that this country signs up to do for no reason nobody has ever been able to give me the reason of like no we we no we need the sun to go down in december at four you're like why does it like there are people dying or like the economy and they're like no it's what we do but yeah it's it's what it's what our great grandfathers did so you know and those are people most of them couldn't read so you know that they're you know smart so oh man like uh i i read an article from a pretty good thinker um earlier today when i was prepping for this podcast and i think you get a kick out of it but he makes the case that jesus was the original stand-up comedian. Like, I got to know, like, as a follower of Jesus, who's a comedian, do you think that Jesus was funny? So, I don't know from the examples in the Bible, like, that's not his, like, type five uh, that he's doing on, like, uh, you know, Colbert uh, when he, right, when he right. gets that. But I, he had to have been, right? So, you're telling me a guy with the ability to change any liquid from one liquid to another, and he's a dude, because he's still fully man. Like, you're going to mm-hmm. tell me he didn't just, like, pop off that trick like when Peter's like sipping back on like what he thinks is water and he's like, ha, salt water, something like that. <laughs> like, I can't know for sure because it doesn't say, but I'm going to assume that some of that stuff would have been pretty funny. And mm-hmm. um, you do, you think of like kind of the, if he's a comedian, he's going to be more like the Sasha Baron Cohen, like going in, making people feel uncomfortable, kind of pointing out those hypocrisies. You get a great oh, example of this yeah, when like he goes into the temple. Pathetic comedian. Right, right. Yeah, he's yeah. like, he's going in there just like, um, you know, Sasha does when he's in Borat mode, right? He's just actually hitting people with what they actually believe, but making them sound really dumb when he's doing it. Like, yep, that's, that's yep. the beauty of him. He's way smarter than me. I couldn't do that. Um, but that's what Jesus does when he goes into the temple, right? He's just like, what, what is this? Get out of my father's house. Mm-hmm. You know, he's cracking, literally like cracking the whip at those people. And so I think there is a, a level of humor that has to be inherently there. I mean, he's 33-year-old dude that hangs out with 12 guys all day too at the, at the same time. They, I guarantee you somebody, somebody, oh, breaks, sure. somebody breaks wind yeah, at some point. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, so I read that in, in its original context, Jesus's parable about the guy with the plank in his eye pointing out the speck of dust in another guy's eye. Mm-hmm. Well, like in ancient world, that would have been like a knee slapper, laugh out loud, like rolling on the <laughs> ground thing. Like, like they would have busted a gut being like, can you imagine having a plank in your eye and seeing somebody <laughs> with a speck and thinking that they got the problem? Like apparently like that was like, really funny so, so it's just world. like delivered as a joke yeah yeah, and, yeah and, like exactly yeah that's i'd never heard that i'll try it i mean i don't 
I don't know if I can rip off the Lord, but uh, <laughs> you do for a job. Oh, yeah, that's so just, that's yeah. just sanctification. That's just Ripping what preachers do. So yeah, I'm, I'll use that. I'll just you, you know use the, that. They have the was the isn't there a fat king that gets like stabbed with a sword, but he didn't know he's like got stabbed. Right, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember the way the Bible says it, but it's like the belly swallows the sword or something like that. Yeah, and the guy's like, and it doesn't say that the other guy let go of it right away. And that's the gross part about it. Mm. So that's just in there. Just I can't remember that king's name. I got to read that story tonight. (laughs) (laughs) I always find that funny. And there's also the other funny one in the Bible, and it's in 1 Kings. I think it's Elijah again. These kids are making fun of him, and they're like, oh, look at this guy. He's a prophet or something like that, and these kids are making fun of him, and then it's like, all right, Elijah like walks away, which you should do. Kids, don't fight, mm-hmm. but two bears came out, two female bears. It does say female. Oh, came right. out This and, is a crazy story. And like mauled the kids. I don't know anything about it beyond that, yeah. but other than like, I just assume that anybody who's mean to me will almost assuredly be mauled by a female bear. or two female bears i guess yeah Uh, but i've always thought that was funny because like that's that's just like what the bible does it just like delivers these things in in real time it it, again it gives you deep access to the deep pockets of somebody's heart like Mm -hmm. when when jesus is like hey uh you're can you imagine having a plank in your eye and a, pointing out a, a speck of dust in somebody else's eye? And people are like, oh my gosh, can you imagine yeah. how stupid you have to be? And that's the moment where I think the Holy Spirit convicts and is like, that's what you do. Mm. When you're self-righteous, that's what you're doing. So it like gives you access to drop the hammer on exactly yeah. the right spot. Another example of this is the parable of the talents. Oh, the guy that buries them, one goes yeah. out and I can vest. So, so uh, a talent in ancient culture, that's not like 10 bucks or like 15 bucks. It's a like talent a, in ancient culture is 15 years of wages. That's a Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, a couple of years ago, yeah. <laughs> so when Jesus gives one bum um, seven talents, that's like yeah. the equivalent of like 75 years of working. And apparently to original audiences, they would have thought that was hilarious. Like this dude like rolls out of bed, like, and he barely does any work and he gets paid for like 75 years worth of work. Can you believe that? And that's exactly where the point is. Yeah. It's the, like the gospel. Yeah. Or the, uh, the one that actually came to mind. Cause I, and one, I just think it's like more of a BA move than anything. Mm-hmm. It's just like, uh, draws the line, like let he's without sin cast the first stone. Like, uh, granted, if you're the people trying to to stone the woman, like you're not, you don't find that that funny. But if you're like just this random like goat farmer out there, you're like that. That was pretty funny. Like he showed those bullies. I don't know. <laughs> this is way off topic. Um, but do you know the charismatics who will like Ooh. do the laughing thing? Dude, I was born a snake handler. I'll die a snake handler. Holy laughter. I have not yeah. heard that. Okay, yeah. I don't know. There's videos out there of like in the middle of service, the spirit working in people and people like breaking out in laughter. So were you introducing that or like? I, I don't know. I didn't know if there was anything there. We're talking about the intersection of humor and Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know if there's anything there. There's probably nothing there. I'm yeah. just curious. Maybe they just see the whole uh, entirety of this, like uh, like all these people just focusing so much on like what matters and like maybe that's what they get to see. The, the great cosmic joke that yeah. is 70 years on this earth, most of it, 
doing nothing mm. moving forward. That's a sad one. <laughs> I read a book. But you could laugh at it. I, I read a book called The Gospel as Fairy Tale and Comedy. Really? Who wrote that? Um, I should know. He, he wrote another book called The Remarkable Ordinary. Um, he's a really good Christian writer. He, he's not like within my theological tribe. You know, he's not, he's not like a reformed Calvinist dude, mm-hmm. but he's, he's worth reading. I can't, I can't remember what his name is. Pulling um, it up. Some guy named Target. Oh, wait, no, that's just where you buy it. <laughs> we'll look it up here. Um, I don't even know if I can pronounce his name right. It's one of those guys. Those. Those people, and then uh, Frederick Buchner. Yes, Buchner. Buchner. And Buchner makes the argument. He makes the argument in the book that you don't comprehend the gospel until you understand it as comedy. Like it, it is supposed to be. So, like if you think of comedy as the relief of knowing that the world is horrible, but there's relief from it. Yeah, that's what I was just trying to say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so it. It, you don't really understand the gospel until you realize how deserving you are of an eternity of hell and how you are so undeserving of the love of God and you can do nothing to earn it. But because of Jesus' sacrifice in your place, all you get is heaven. That's it's, comedy. That's hilarious. Yes. It, it, and despite like your best efforts. Like right. that's the other thing. Like you, you're you're getting drugged, kicking and screaming into this most of the time. Yeah, there's yeah. very few moments where you're not kicking and screaming um, against the will of God. Right? You're just yeah. like, no, I think this is right. Uh, oh, the other, the other, other. I mean, it's just like funnier, like because as you move on for perspective, like what was funny back then obviously doesn't translate now. Mm-hmm. But I've always thought it was also super weird that like the who is the bro. That Jesus, they keep Jesus and they give him up. Pilate's like, I can either give you this guy or that guy. Uh, Barabbas. Barabbas, yeah, that's a thought. But I'm, I'm just like, that's, that is just like an interesting thing. Because he was a murderer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like, is that a one-time thing for Barabbas? Like, did they describe the rules? Because like, what's he get off stage and do? That's a great question. The we don't hear about him in the rest of yeah, that's, the canon. So we just write our fiction book on Barabbas's the rest of his day. Maybe he comes like a vigilante. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I can't even think of a vigilante right now. I think that's part of the brilliance of, uh, of the Bible, though, is, yeah. is, is, is sometimes when the biblical writers purposefully withhold details about certain characters for a specific purpose. So you've got this epic scene happening in front of you where you've got one murderer and one innocent guy, yeah. and the murderer gets to go free because the innocent man is crucified. And you don't hear that many details about Barabbas, and you don't know who his mom and dad are, and you don't know where he grew up. Because if you knew those details about him, you could pinpoint him as, oh, that's just a historical character a long time yeah. ago. But if the Bible withholds details, you see yourself in that picture, and you understand the gospel, that this is what happens yeah. when you believe in Jesus. And had it been, like, obviously something pretty heinous, he, he does seem to be famous. It's not like... Pontius yeah. Pilate's like, oh, remember that guy that disappeared a couple of years back? And he's like, Cain was his name or something like that. Yeah, this guy was the one that did it. Like he seemed to be, <laughs> you know, pretty infamous. I guess you would say for that. But it, it, you're nobody right. goes it, to the electric chair because they stole a candy bar. 
Right. And there is something you're that like again that like cosmic isn't the right word, but just like that next level universal humor when you look down on it, where it's like, what did what was Jesus accused of? Healing on the Sabbath, right? That was mm-hmm. that was like the 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 point of contention that actually ends up doing him in, right? It's it's like how yep. Capone got caught with for tax evasion of all things, right? <laughs> he gets caught with teaching on teaching on the Sabbath. And that's that's actually like Put yourself in the mind of like that was worse to them than murder, and then right. actually when you think about it, you're like, oh, that's actually not that far off in our culture, right? Who do we 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 can actually get more upset at people who say the wrong thing, right? We mm-hmm. canceled the Bachelor guy, the Chris Harrison from the Bachelor, right? He can't be on the Bachelor anymore, mm-hmm. which is a bummer. Joseph and I watched the Bachelor, so that's just for him. But um, you and Donafro, oh yeah. Have you guys ever watched it together? Not yet. Ugh. Someday. I The Bachelor, I don't ever want to watch. I would watch it with you two, though. Yeah, we we love it. We may, you know, we, I, I, I I like, I when you're in comedy, you have to, like, keep up with the culture. You can't be, like, caught off guard. So you just right. got to, like, know, yeah. know the things. And that's just what I tell myself, but it's also, like, a really good and compelling show, too. So mm. that's mm. really what I'm on here for is just advocating for the more people watch <laughs> the Bachelor. <laughs> you know, most of them say they're Christian, so <laughs> but the gospel fires on every level of the human heart though. You know, like mm. the gospel should make you weep, it should make you cry, it should make you dance, it should make you rejoice. But like I really do believe that there there's an appropriateness to the gospel making you laugh. Yes. Like I deserve hell. And I get heaven. I get it's nothing. Like, what? Yeah, wait. I get better than nothing because, like, usually, you know, the, the I get option heaven of, because yeah. this dude died on the cross for me. Like, there's part of you that's just like, what? Yeah, this is amazing. And and even like the the bro goes down working, right? Jesus goes down working. He's mm-hmm. sitting there on the cross, like. I'm not saying anything if I'm in that position, right? It, like that sucks. That's where we get the word excruciating from. I've never oh, been in crucifixion. Yeah. Excruciate. Okay, that makes sense. There you go. I don't know where I picked that up at, sure. but um, but he goes down preaching. The guy to his mm-hmm. left is like, hey, you know, today you will be meet, greeted by my Father in heaven. Like that. That's dope too. Like, and yes. and to me, that's there is something. Um, you hesitate to say funny because people would be like, you know, the natural response is like, there's nothing funny about the cross. And right. it's like, well, because you don't want to think, I don't mean trite. Yeah. I'm not, I'm right. not diminishing it. Right. But like the, the seriousness with, with Jesus was like, I'm serious. I'm come, I came from everybody at any time, at any moment. And if you don't believe me on my last, you know, 30 seconds here before I'm on the way out, I'm going to toss it to this guy right. and save this dude. Right. And he does that, the same thing, like, even when the devil tempts him, right? Like, he's he's not telling jokes, but he's he's clapping back at him, right? When the devil's mm-hmm. like, oh, if it's this, call down your angels, and it's like, he, he just answers him, answers him, answers him, like, with scripture-based and, like, don't tempt your God, I'm good. I also, like, really appreciate that, too, because there is something, like... The that's, wittiness. Yeah, there is something funny that, like, Jesus knows... There's what four people that know who exactly who the devil is, right? The, every member of the Trinity and him. <laughs> yeah, they know exactly who he is, and he knows exactly who he is. He knows he's not winning, mm-hmm. but that's not the point. His point isn't to win. He is prideful enough to think that he can win, but like yeah. he's going down, and he does know it. And but there is something that that's like really interesting about that conversation between these two people. That like 
Satan probably understands that this is the son of he clearly understands that this is the son of God. Right. And right. he's but he still Absolutely. thinks he can win. Right. Yep. He's just out there, it's like me challenging the rock to a fist fight. Where I'm like, I don't know, man. There's a chance you slip on a banana peel. There's a chance. Hmm. There's <laughs> a chance. Come on. And I always thought that that was like also a really comical situation where yeah. it's in, in when you think of like the devil in that perspective of like, yep. they truly see him as evil as he is. Like they, they've seen him through his existence, right? We, we experience evil. We experience sin. We, we kind of know when he's luring us in, but Jesus knows exactly who he is and he right. talks to him like that. And right. that's, uh, incredible. Do you know there's a yeah. name for that? It's called literary irony. Literary it's, irony. It it works on the level where the character in the TV show, or in this case in the Bible, doesn't know how it ends, but you as the audience know how it ends. So you're in on the joke and the character oh. doesn't. So there's actually a technical term for that. I yeah. actually taught it to my high schoolers back in the day when I was an English teacher. Nice. Yeah. Okay, I didn't yeah. know so that. It's yeah. literary irony. Yeah, that's perfect because, I mean, it's the same thing. It's really funny though. I remember the the first essence I had of this was like when I was reading the Narnia books, and I was like, "That stupid witch! She doesn't know what she's doing to this lion." Mm-hmm. And then I had that. I was like, "Oh, ah, this is Jesus. Yeah, okay, yeah, the yeah. devil." But it was funny that like I needed that more remedial like kids story to help me understand that too. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, okay. It's easier when it's a lion. It makes yeah, more sense." Yeah. Hey, yeah. I got to I got to ask, man, are there do you feel like there's any crossovers between what I do and what you do, like me as a preacher and you as a stand-up comedian? Oh, yeah. We we talk about this all the time cuz like a lot of people they just don't see the background work that goes into it. Um, no. No. Uh, you got to be performative. You got to write things that go in a flow that makes sense together. Um, Intellectual momentum. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and for us, it's humor momentum. And I mean, just the off parts of like, all right, I'm trying to write this, you know, I've got to write another 30 minutes, right? I burned my old 30 minutes. It's filmed. I can't tour on that anymore. Right. Cause people have already seen it. Nobody wants to go see the same jokes twice. Uh, you got to come up with like ways to teach the gospel in a correct way but also have it be make sense to us mm-hmm. too, because a lot of this stuff doesn't make sense. Like we didn't right, know right. that, you know, the, the talents getting buried in the sand was the equivalent of like happy Gilmore to those people. Right. We had no idea, um, <laughs> but apparently it was right. Yeah, so yeah. there's that. Um, also just like the background stress of it all, like all jobs have stress. I do view this as a job and like mm-hmm. my wife's been great. Um, she didn't sign up to marry a stand up comedian. Uh, and a lot of times, especially since COVID, like there's only one person I get to work out these things on. And most oh, of the time it's the like my, lady. what an angel, man. <laughs> most of the time it's the sound effects. I keep trying to, uh, I'm a sound effects guy. So I, I do, I do that. And yep. the worst one I was trying to be like, I think I can sound exactly like a weed whacker. And she was <laughs> like, I bet you can, but there's zero point in doing that. There's no way that you could like possibly make that funny. But I'm like, yeah, but I can. <laughs> and I like it's just that so so she's right can you do it the weed whacker yeah hold on a second yeah, this will suck right off the bat I bet but yeah dude that was good that man. was not a husk varna I promise <laughs> you know 
I don't use sound effects in preaching like ever, but I, I did. You tried that I the did. other week. I, I so did the other week. I, I didn't plan on it, but it was, uh, it was, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the racquetball mm-hmm. analogy. And I told you, I was, yeah. you're missing the swish because the, the, yes, the, right. the rackets moved through. But it's, it's worth it. I mean, did you practice that in front of Chloe? No, I didn't. Ah. I didn't think I was going to do it when I got up there. Like it wasn't on my radar. That's, and for whatever reason, I was like, <laughs> yeah. That's the key, right? You just got to practice it in front of it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I told Delaney, like, I had this one bit that it ends with, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of North Korea because they can never hit us. And I was like, and besides, like, what are actually the rockets? It's just like two dudes on a bike, right? <laughs> and so I was like, does this sound <laughs> literally like this was a conversation that we had in our marriage yeah. when you're married to a comedian? I was like, does this sound like two Koreans on a bike? And all it was is just a squeaky wheel. And she's like, well, how would you even know there's Koreans at that point? And I was like, because the setup. <laughs> Context. Delaney. Context. Okay, I'm telling a whole story here. But uh, the, so back to the the question of like the similarities. Yeah, and, and it's a, it's performative too. And it I think it does help people. As we, as we discussed at the mm-hmm. very early end, it helps people reframe things and sometimes not exactly what you're um, aiming to do, but it does help people reframe them or reframe things. I usually, uh, during my second show at Teehees, what I did was I just did jokes from the left and jokes from the right. And so I did a bunch of um, jokes making fun of the Republicans. I made a bunch of jokes, a lot of jokes making fun of the Democrats. Boy. Yeah. And Nobody knows where I, I stand completely, but it was really mm-hmm. funny, though. What I was surprised at is that even though I set it up like that, and I was like, the intention is to get people laugh at, like, yourself. And it was still divided down the lines. I knew who would laugh at the left and who would laugh at the right. And it's mm-hmm. it's really funny of, like, we need to have this understanding that we have to laugh at ourselves. The same way of, like... I agree, dude. The same way of like preaching, like you have to have this understanding that some of this preaching, actually all of it, is for you as well. It's not just for other people to hear, right? And I think that's right. the the other thing of like my style of comedy. I try to make a point. I'm not trying to like change the world. I'm not right telling you who to vote for or whatever. I'm just saying that like it's interesting. We don't ask these questions or that questions, and it should make us think. And I it's a great practice for me because then it's like, Oh, I don't want to be the one believing the lie or like the one getting dumped on or something like that. And, uh, preaching that's, that's the overlap right there. Like you never have preached a message just for us. Like you, you need that too. I, uh, my dad was a, a history teacher before he retired. And I remember at a really young age, he was also a coach, you know, football, baseball, wrestling, everything. So I was constantly in context with him where I was seeing him teach or coach people. And I just remember at a really young age being in the classroom or being in the wrestling room or being on the football field and watching him teach like high schoolers, right? The big kids, the heroes. Those are the big kids. Yeah, upperclassmen. Right. And I remember being in those contexts and I remember my dad using words, handling words, yelling words, whispering words, but using words in such a way that the kids in the classroom were smiling and they had light bulb moments going off and they were laughing. And I remember thinking, oh, you can do that with words. 
You can use words to have that type of positive impact in a person's life. And ever since I've been little, that's all I've ever wanted to do. Wow. Is use words in a way to to make somebody's life, to, to make a positive impact. It's all I've wanted to do, man. Like I've never like second guessed, like, I don't know if I'm really a preacher or I, maybe I should go do this tech thing or maybe I yeah. should relearn this. Like I've always had like a singleness of mind that I have to teach in such a way that it makes people's lives better. That's my only pathway. That's all I want to do. Um, and then I became a Christian and I would listen to preachers who would do that with the Bible. And I remember being like, oh, you can do this for Jesus. That's great source material. Like, that's right. <laughs> way better than what I'm working with. But you're, I mean, you're doing like a really similar thing where you are using words and you're putting them together in interesting ways and you're yelling them or sometimes you're whispering them and you're mm-hmm. reordering them and structuring them in certain ways that when you give these words to people, it makes their lives better. And I think that's really noble. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's definitely a degree of uh, difficulty difference. Uh, you know, for you, you're like, all right, is holiness the right word to use sure. here or is it this? Um my last one, no joke. I had I went back and forth when I was going out to film a drive bar. I was like, I don't know if I should use the word fanny or butt. <laughs> Cla- classic <laughs> theological jargon yeah. confusion. <laughs> so I went, I went, I, I did two shows, and I uh, can say with empirical evidence, fanny is funnier than butt. There you <laughs> no go. That's, that's my tip for right, you. you got the data. Yeah, fanny crushed. I was like. Uh, yeah, I was just talking about how they need to send the kids back to school because I'm so tight, so sick and tired of getting my fanny kicked in yeah. at Call of Duty uh, during the middle of the day. So those <laughs> oh, kids should be at school. But yeah. I agree. Uh, it's it's really funny that in those specific senses, what words do for us. And the the tieback is is because uh, I've been reading through the Trinity uh, by Augustine, and he talks about this, mm-hmm. where he's like, because it's the word of God, that is Jesus, he's the words of God, and he didn't mean that necessarily in a flippant sense, right. like he spoke yeah. and crawled out of his hand. Oh, that was my other funny thing, put a sock in it. Jesus is mm-hmm. funny, I have a great example of it oh, yeah, yeah, from shoot, Revelation. Shoot. Yeah, put it From put a Revelation? Yeah. Let's go. Okay, we'll get into it. So he comes back, right? Spoiler alert for those of you who haven't got there. He coming back, right? And I don't know what Kirk Cameron's been reading, but he's coming back in a little bit different version of like what Kirk does. So he's coming back. One, he's obviously grown up now. He's not a teenager anymore. He's got that tattoo. I love <laughs> That's that. That's right, yeah, that thigh tattoo. Yeah, but he's coming in, and he's so excited to come back that you, you know what happens when you get nervous is you barf, right? And he throws up swords. So he pulls that oh! sword out of his mouth, oh! and he's like... <laughs> just like slicing up. I, I remember reading that from a little time yeah. where I was like, oh, he's just like so excited. This is a Super Bowl. He's coming back and he's like, Bleh! and then a sword. giant sword comes out and he's like, you know, who's the army with him? He has an army with him, it says. And they're like, oh, gross. Where did my mace come from? And they're just like wondering, <laughs> where, are, where, where did we get these? Like, Because it wouldn't make sense to have an armory in heaven, right? There is no armory in heaven. Because like, that would assume you're going to be attacked. You know, right. that ain't happening. So they all had to be created on the spot. Sorry, that's the dumbest thing that I could. But I've always thought that as like he's coming in on the white horse, like Johnny Cash says, yeah. and uh, he's coming back and he pulls that sword out of his mouth. So he doesn't 
throw it up. But he sure. Yeah, yeah. But in my story, he throws it up. Yeah. Uh, did yeah. you know that the Babylonians had their own rival creation story to the Israelites? I I knew some of it, and they it seemed like were they were the ones that pretty much had the most concise because everyone that the Israelites would go against had some form of belief system, but they seemed to have like the one that was like the most concise, like mm-hmm. legitimate tracking and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you look at if you look at the Babylonian creation story, and this actually does have a point. It, the the Babylonian god. So they where where did matter come from? Where did molecules come from? Where did atoms come from? Where does creation come from? Well, the Babylonians believed that it came from their god having a war with a rival goddess, and their god destroyed the rival goddess. And you can you can read this, but they their god ripped the carcass of that goddess in half. And with that carcass, that's where the created world comes from. Oh. So the point— So are we on the top or the bottom? That's it. I don't know. Or did they rip it well, hot dog yeah, or hamburger I style? I don't Hot, hot dog or hamburger. I don't See, know. See, if the Jews had asked this and never gone into right, exile, yeah. they would have been like, you know what? <laughs> it sounds like a bunch of malarkey. <laughs> and, Sorry. And, um, and this, this create creation story, like our creation story, it has an engine. It has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of that creation story for the Babylonians was it made them into the warmongers that they were. Because it's the belief that creation happens, progress happens oh, by violence yeah. and brute force, which is why the Babylonians were one of the first people who tried to accomplish world dominion in the ancient world. This is how the world moves forward. You have to be violent. Yes. And the Jewish Christian story is the opposite. In the Jewish Christian story, the world and the created word, world and the created universe and matter comes through spoken word. It comes through poetry of God. Yeah. And so the creative force for Christians and for Jewish believers is rightly used words of life for people. Hmm. Right? God upholds the universe by words. God comes in the flesh as the word in the flesh. If God were to stutter all of creation would cease to exist. Wow. Which is why Christians love each other and we use yeah. our words to build each other up because that's how creation moves forward. So it's, it's really cool yeah. that, that in the Christian world, that worldview, it, that's why we have to encourage and, and use our words for life. Yeah, and I think it, I think it does encourage people to, to see people with the similar beliefs and statuses that are ubiquitous amongst our culture. Right, hmm. that's why we love Tebow, mm-hmm. right? And I'll, I'll say this, dude, Tebow sucked. Right? He, 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 it doesn't, yeah, he, but it doesn't mean he wasn't like a good Christian, a good man, and like. That's right. But as a Tom Brady fan, that ain't how you play quarterback, right. bro. Yeah. So, but people love to to look at that, and so. Um, you know, I'm not. I don't. I don't want to over spiritualize. You know, comedy at any point either, right. because at a certain point, I I, I go up there. But God I, loves good work. Yeah, and I've gone up there and I've I've said I'm a Christian and just just to be able to like turn the corner on some people to be like, oh, we didn't expect that. It does have. Uh, it is very funny. I've I've said that at shows and you'll see people like kind of tune you out just by saying those words and it's really mm. funny to like. Mm-hmm. All right, well, what if I can win you back? Like mm. what? If, what if we can be both? Like what if we can exist at both? And so mm. I think it's cool to have in all walks of life, whether it's painter, whether it's your architect, whether it's you know the guy slinging coffee, the guy telling jokes, the guy you know playing 
quarterback when he should be a tight end. Um, it allows us to know that we're not alone because it's also seeing people that, you know, mm. can accomplish these things. We're not confined to um, just a quiet life. If you don't want to be, you can go out there, have dreams, take your dreams as far as they want. I have no idea how big this will ever get. In my mind, yeah, yeah. I would love for it to be as big as possible because like, that's just how I dream. And like, mm-hmm. I would, I'll deal with the burdens of that when it comes. But I think also for those... I would, I'd love to yeah. see you knock it out of the park. Yeah. Comedy. And I think for those out there that it doesn't have to be comedy, you can replace this with X, Y, Z. Before I wanted to be a comedian, I wanted to be a WWE wrestler, right? Oh, I could see it. Yeah, and it, I, I freaking loved it. Turns out you gotta... There were just certain physical things, um, you know, that... I didn't have, I didn't look like The Rock or any of the 18 people underneath them that were like over 200 well, pounds. Well, you keep doing CrossFit and you might. I'll try my here, best. I, I keep trying my best. So that's actually my back way in. If I get mm. famous enough, then they'll let me be in WWE. <laughs> and I so it's actually just a, an entire ruse just to get to WWE. But to, to be able to look at that and just say like, mm. if, you know, have our whether it's like your kids or whatever, just be able to say, if you want to be a musician, you can do this and you don't have to like compromise your beliefs. And also, you know, as you know, from the band days, one thing that always frustrated me, you don't also have to like preface everything with like, Hey, I'm the Christian guy. So like, Mm -hmm. don't do that. Like, what if you were just sat, were like a really good dude, talk to people, got to know them, um, which I've been able to do at Teehees at those places. And they just, respect you and you're a great member of the community because that's how you're actually going to that's what i love about our church too as well we're interested in des moines yeah yeah i'm interested in des moines if i if i were to you know blow up whatever that even looks like i have no idea what it looks like but if i were des moines would still always be our home we've talked about it you gotta you gotta have a plan in place right you know uh but i love that vision of longevity and rootedness yeah, and what if it was like Des Moines just like this weird place where we have a creative Christian culture and it doesn't necessarily have to be these high scene ones, right? Comedy, obviously, by nature is, but not everybody loves to go up there and do that in front of people. But there's a ton of stuff out there, like to one of your original questions of like, what do our lay people do? Well, it's like, right. do what you do right now. Des Moines is an awesome community. It's a huge community, but it ain't that big yet. And you can still make a huge difference um, no matter what you're doing. So that's kind of my uh, hurrah rant in that we're all in this together. Yeah, Luther Luther said this to his, his church people. He said, the Christian shoemaker... Have you heard this? You're going to love this. No, I haven't. Oh, the, this is Martin Luther? This is Martin Luther, okay. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know there's another one. No, yeah, no, no. Not in my world. The The Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes, but by making good shoes because God is interested in good craftsmanship. Isn't that good? There you go. I think sometimes people get tired of hearing me talk about pastoring or preaching because they're like, yeah, Cole Wheat, like it's obvious. The connections are obvious. We know that you're trying to exalt and glorify Jesus and you're preaching and in your teaching and in your leadership and your pastoring. So I would imagine that if I were a church member listening to this podcast, I'd be like, whoa, stand-up comedy? Yeah. God is honored by like good comedy? That's awesome. It's got to be good, though. Like, that's the hard part. It's yes. got to be good. <laughs> Even if I bombed out there, like, that, that was, like, the funniest part of, like, when I go out there, I told everybody, I was like, I don't know. This, I yeah. way out kick my coverage here. I could go out there and suck. I don't know. Like, but <laughs> it's worth a shot. And 
it's really fun because I do believe, you know, you talk about giftings of like, ever since I was a little kid, I just, just watch all this stuff and absorb it. And I can't turn it off either. Like just how my brain works. I can't, like if I hear yeah. a good chance to like butt in with a joke, I'm like, it's not always a great habit. Um, but I'm always like, oh, I can't, can't I hold know, it back. So I now know. I have like a, a safe outlet for it. So I don't do it as much yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, back to the very, very patient wife as I'm learning this. Delaney the Bob, yeah. shout out, girl. <laughs> yeah, when I came back home from my first night, I was just like everything that she said. I was like, oh yeah, well, <laughs> you like that one? You like, and uh, they, none of them were good. <laughs> none of them made the final cut. So, <laughs> um, Oh, dude, that's so good. I also think it's significant. We should probably bring this to a close. Yeah. It's like an hour and 10 minutes. But oh, sure. I also think it's significant that when Jesus brings Lazarus back from the dead, he doesn't do it by snapping his fingers. He uses words. Yeah. Get up. And Lazarus gets up. Dude, he. I, I always thought this was cool. The, the One of the coolest ways I've heard preach is like it preached is that he treats death like it's a nap. Mm. he's telling him to get up the same way you would get your roommate up if he's going to be late for class. Like that's, that's the power. Yeah. That's yeah. the comic. You want to talk about the joke in there? That's like death is the joke. Like, oh. like it's the same death way I wake my, joke. same way I wake my cat up. We don't have kids, but we have cats. But mm. so we use them in a lot of analogies. This, the yeah. same power that I have over my cat to be like, you were no longer sleeping is the same power that Jesus has over like physical death, which is, which is really, really cool. Heck um, yes. And at a certain time, funny, because then you would naturally and logically what would follow would be like, so then what do we, afraid of oh that this was the this was the chump that i'm afraid of yeah it's like when you learn that the big shadow on the wall that terrified you when you were a kid just, is a, just a mouse yeah it's like oh anything <laughs> yeah dude that's oh that's good I, wow I never, that just never actually did something that. in me yeah wow that was good sweet i don't think i have anything better to say you have any final words of encouragement for like the lay person i think just Always in my mind, I've always done stupid hobbies. So, like whether it's CrossFit, whether it's trying to be a WWE superstar, or uh, the Don't next up on the dream, <laughs> the next dumb adventure, which is comedy. Um, do those and and like get involved in those communities mm. outside of there. That's the other thing that we loved about coming to Frontier. It wasn't just a bunch of uh, gathering together as a community as a church. It's also sending us out here to be a part of Des Moines. Heck yes, I'm so um, glad you get that. Yeah, it, it, and it's just because I've been on the other side of that where I'm like, I don't, do I have friends that aren't Christians? Do I have friends yeah, that don't go yeah. to Frontier? And if the answer is no, um, it's not something to be ashamed of. It's just something to be aware of and then go fix it. And there's plenty to do out there, whether it's comedy, whether it's, uh, we do improv as well. I don't do improv, mm. but <laughs> uh, any, anything really. And just go out and get involved in there and you're going to make more of an impact because there's only one mic on a Sunday, right? That's right. At the, at the end of the day. Um, and that burden is also awful too. Hmm. <laughs> Not that you do a bad job, but it's I wouldn't want to do it. That's the same way of like, I can put together words and I can entertain people for like as long as you do, but I could not do it with the, mm. the gospel. <laughs> so hmm. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. I've got nothing better to say than what you said about being involved in the city of Des Moines. I love that sentiment. So, yeah, bro, love you. Nux. Love you too, man. Thanks Damn. for doing this. You're the bomb. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thanks, church. And if you guys do have any questions, now you know what I look like. Fairway brand, David Beckham. So you can just come up and uh, talk to me about it. 
Peace be with you. And also with you. That was so freaking fun, dude.